Am I on? Yeah. We'll put it on the short step so you can see the rest of me. There you go. And I will follow you forward. I want to move forward in God. I want to move forward in His kingdom. I want to move forward by His Word and in His Spirit. As always, it's a pleasure to share with you, and that's what's on my heart this morning. I've seen the beginnings of a movement of God forward. And the way that God moves is, well, (laughs) it's the same since ever since. God moves by His Spirit and through His Word. He moves by His Spirit through His Word to light the heart of not only this world, but of us as a people. And that light, we intended to send out to the apartments and say, come, see, taste, Jesus is good. Wouldn't you leave it to God? We go to one of them apartments and there's a lady who's a prayer warrior waiting to pray for us. You don't go into a place and say, God, I'll bring you here because God is already there. And so, in this movement that I see forward, God is bringing us in His kingdom. His kingdom has already come indeed. Jesus said, my kingdom has come. But it's in part. It's not in total. It's kind of a a weird phrase. I've, I've mentioned it before. It's called inaugurated eschatology. That's a big big, educated way of saying Jesus' kingdom has come, but Jesus' kingdom will come yet fuller. And so we're going to move forward in God's kingdom, but how do I do that? How do I experience moving forward with God and His kingdom? How does a, a fragile, fickle, chronically forgetful person like me, like us, move forward with God? Well, it's by the same way that He created the heavens and the earth. God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Nothing has changed. He still does His work exactly the same. The way the kingdom moves forward is the same way creation moved forward. Creation moved forward not because we called out of the darkness or the darkness cried out, create me. But God spoke into the darkness by His Spirit, through His Word, giving His presence, light to this world and to our souls. That is how we move forward. I guess we can pretty much end the sermon there. I'll give you your money's worth. This morning as we come to God's Word, I'm reminded by a voice of a man who discipled me years ago. His name was was Jack. Brother Jack, we called each other. Everybody was brother and sister in that church. I don't know if you've ever been a part of a body like that where everybody's brother Tom and sister Lucy. And I liked it. You know, I liked it. They felt like my family. He was my brother. And it reminds me of this little card. These are out in the, the foyer. And this is the City Hope Project. And there's a lot of folks in the church that are involved in this. And excuse me as I adjust this. Um, involved in this, whether it's Justin Nunes, Dan Deckard, Ron Guffey, a bunch of folks have been a part, and that's awesome. But this is what Jack taught me. Prayer, service, and discipleship. 
Jack would look at me and he'd say, Brother, whenever you start thinking about God's word, you best think first to ask God the author. He firmly believed that if we were going to get something from God's word, it was because God was going to bring it to us, the light speaking to the darkness. That doesn't change. But through that word, he showed me that we would walk in service. I'll never forget the day he said, Brother John, the Lord has prepared good works for us. I was like, all right, what are we going to do? I was thinking maybe we build something, clean something. He says, we are going to go out into the middle of that little fair they got going down on the beach. This was in Guam. And we're going to ask people if they know Jesus Christ. I was mortified. I was going to go talk to a bunch of people, most of them foreigners, who I didn't even know if they could speak English, and ask, do you know Jesus? I had to ask Jack the question. I go, what if, what if they say they already know him? He said, well, then tell them, hallelujah, brother. Do you have a church you're going to? If you'd like to join us, come on. That's how Jack was. He wanted people to be encouraged in the Lord. I said, but Jack, what if, what if they say they don't want to hear it? What if, or what if they say they don't know Jesus? Because then, brother, you tell them. You tell them that the king, the king has come. And he has saved a people to himself. Not by what we've done, but by what he's done. That's the Jesus. Come from heaven. God from heaven. In the flesh. Died on the cross. Resurrected and ready to return again. Do you believe? Can I get a witness? Sometimes people looked at you and they said, wow, I've never heard that before. Other times they looked at you and said, shut up. (laughs) But Jack brought me out and he taught me that there was service to be done. But it was work that God prepared. And the last thing he taught me was discipleship. That discipleship thing he did with me, he would bring me out into the middle of these areas and talk to people. That was one of his discipleship things. He said that we should tell people about God. He said we should pray, we should do acts of service, and we should encourage one another in Jesus Christ. I'm grateful for that discipleship. I'm grateful that God spoke that light into Jack's heart, and then Jack was used of God to bring that light through and to me. As we start this morning, I would ask that you bow with me and you ask that God would do the same for us, that we'd be people of prayer, people who go forth by the power of His Spirit and do the good works He prepared, and that we disciple one another in Jesus Christ. I didn't say this in the first service, but I have the awesome privilege of attending a group of men we meet on Monday mornings. Uh, we're, we're an interesting group for sure. We've got a kid that's about 23 years old, and we've got an old guy. I'm not even going to say <laughs> And everybody in between, and it's fun. I, Brother Chuck, you're not the old guy, Chuck. I promise, that's not the old guy. Chuck Norris is in that group, and to hear us encourage one another in the Lord, it's, it's priceless. So this morning, it is my prayer that, one, God would speak to our hearts and that we would experience the birth like creation does, where God reaches into the darkness and speaks to our heart. And then through that, through that light, God would move us not only in prayer, not only in service, but in discipleship, building one another up in Jesus. Would you pray with me as we seek him to that end? God, I thank you. I thank you that you have chosen the small things of this world to reveal your glorious plan. And I don't think there's a time I feel more insignificant 
than when I think about how big you are. Oh, indeed, you are the I am. You always were and always will be. God, we look to you. Speak light and truth by the power of your Spirit through the Word, your Son, to our lives. Let us be people who cling to you in prayer and walk according to the good works that you prepared. And Father, let us be built up by the Spirit as iron sharpens iron, shaping one another in fellowship and discipleship. God, this is your Word. These are your people. Build us up and encourage us. Fill us with the light of Christ. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. So, I thought it'd be awfully nice to, uh, to start at the beginning of the Bible. I mean, most people, how many of you started reading the beginning of the Bible, you got through like three chapters, and you stop. And then you start over, you start at the beginning of the Bible, you read, you stop. I've done that so many times. God is great, allow me to get through it. But I wanted to go back to Genesis. It's kind of like going back to kindergarten. How many of you went to kindergarten? Yeah? Yeah? You ever heard of that book, Everything I Really Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten? Ever heard of that? Somebody? Anybody read that thing? Yeah? Yeah, there's a couple. So, yeah? So, I, I haven't read it. I was a teacher. I saw it. And I was reading it, and I thought it was interesting because listen to some of the things that this, this author, Robert Fulgham, says that he learned in kindergarten. Back to the beginning, basics of school. No particular order. Number six, clean up your own mess. That's what you learn in kindergarten. Number five, put things back where you found them. Every mother has said that. Number four, every mom has said this, don't hit people. <laughs> Number three, play fair. Number two, share everything. Number one, stick together, hold hands or a rope if necessary. Ironically, um, kindergarten was the toughest two and a half, three years of my life. <laughs> Is that long? <laughs> Dave uh, Bartholomew, he's the custodian here. Him and I were talking about kindergarten, and we both grew up in, in rural areas out in the Midwest, and it was a little different. So I, I wanted to share with you what I learned from kindergarten, age five, uh, northern Minnesota. But I, I want to be fair. Um, I was not a good kindergarten student. Um, for those of you that are unaware of how they would determine your, your educational prowess. They would give you grades. S for satisfactory and U for unsatisfactory. Take a wild guess where this five-year-old stayed. I was a U. That's right. At five years old, the educational system had already deemed me, and I might say correctly, unsatisfactory. Some of you are thinking, that's sad. I said, no, 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 no. Don't, don't think like that because my effort and achievements amounted to that. And, oh, but for the love of God, this world would have rightly branded me the village idiot and put me in a fool's attire. I wasn't that smart. I didn't get it. I didn't see how the system worked. But I did learn just a few things. No particular order. Number one, stay in line. Keep your hands to yourself. You see where this is going. Be polite. Stay to the right when walking in the hallways. Nobody does that. Jan makes fun of me. I'll tell her, stay to the right. Be polite. She goes, John, no. They didn't learn that in kindergarten. You did. Number three, keep your mouth shut 
and do what you are told as quickly and thoroughly as possible with a good attitude. Kindergarten. Number five. Number four. Never make the teacher, principal, or a staff person angry. And the next rule is related to it. Teachers, principals, and staff are allowed to pinch, pull, punch, spank, or slap senseless a child they deem worthy of such treatment. You guys are laughing, but anybody who grew up in that time knows darn well if you were talking in your seat, sooner or later someone came along and right upside the head. And when you went home and told your parents, I got slapped upside the head, they hit you worse. Shouldn't have been talking. Bam, you got it again. Students are allowed to pinch, pull, punch, spank, or slap senseless any child they deem worthy of such treatment, caveat, as long as no adult is around who cares enough to invoke the right for themselves. <laughs> I can tell you, I remember as a little tyke getting into scuffles with another, and you both got the living snot pounded out of you when the adult got over there. Or, how many of you learned this lesson? Let them fight it out. They've got to learn the hard way. Five years old. But the cruelest thing, the, the most tragic thing I learned on the kindergarten play, or in kindergarten was on the playground. The playground is cruel, and an unsupervised classroom isn't any better. So, punch early and often, or stay close to a nonviolent playground aid. What a way to grow up. So I'm thinking, maybe Rob, Bob, didn't have it quite right in kindergarten, and maybe kindergarten isn't really the place where we learn everything we really need to know. In fact, there is a, a kind of garden, indeed, that we learn from, but it isn't kindergarten. The kinder garden that I'm talking about is the garden that God makes in Genesis. The Garden of Eden. Very good. It is the Garden of Eden. And in it, we see that God's promise and plan and provision in the creation of all things He's doing that. God, with his word, is beginning to make a paradise that we will dwell in with him. Now, I know what you're saying. A couple chapters in, we're going to blow this. And paradise is going to be shot. And we're going to be banned east of Eden. But at the beginning, it wasn't so. It wasn't so at all. In fact, in the beginning, God. Just what David said, the great I am. He always existed. He always was. He always will be. He never changes. And that's where I want to draw your attention to today. The in the beginning phrases of Genesis chapter 1 as well as John chapter 1. And Genesis is up there. Verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said... Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. The Genesis passage tells us that God created the heavens and the earth by speaking it into existence. He spoke it into existence. It's important to remember. By his word it was made, and in his sight it was good. By his word it was made, and in his sight it was good. Now look at this passage from John chapter 1. Verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. So the John passage tells us that the word existed with God and was God. Now there's some folks that will run around out there, and they'll tell you that, no, no, that's, that's not the same Jehovah God. That's not the same Yahweh God. It better be. Because last time I checked, who made the heavens and the earth? God. And God is called the Word, and Jesus is the Word, so don't give me a little God. Don't give me he's a little God. He's a big God. He created the heavens and the earth, and get this, by his Word. There were no suggestions from the bands of angels saying, no, no, make Minnesota a little nicer. Nobody gave God suggestions. Nobody had a better idea when he was flinging the stars into space. Do you know why? Because there is no better idea than God and his words and his plan. This is God's plan. And God in his plan has decided that he's going to reveal to us himself through reaching into the darkness, speaking forth his word, and bringing to bear on our lives our heart and all of eternity, his light and life in us. From the beginning of the Bible, he tells us how he's going to do that. Now, that seems simple enough until it's subjected to the arena of what we call human thought and judgment, otherwise known as wisdom. Why would that be a problem? Well, when we get to thinking apart from the Spirit, we create all kinds of wrong theories about God and how he does stuff like creation, and salvation. I'll give you an example from uh, creation. You get a couple guys together, get a little schooling in them, and they'll start looking at rocks, and they'll go, would you look at there? It's a rock. How old do you think that rock is? Five thousand. No, it's not five thousand. It's five billion. No, it's not five billion. It's five... Tr- that's what happens to us. We don't know. In fact, God insists, he tells us in his word, there it is. 1 Corinthians 1.21, For since in the wisdom of God, that's the thinking of God, for in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through their thinking, through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. <laughs> God says we can't know him through wisdom. The world did not know God through wisdom. That should be kind of scary because we're supposed to learn and study and and there's nothing wrong with that kind of stuff. But it never, never, never must usurp the fact that unless God speaks into the darkness through His Spirit, His Word, and gives us light, we're not going to know because through wisdom we're going to go astray. Our wisdom. But... Notice the end of that verse 21. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So God says we can't know him through wisdom, but it pleased God that through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. What do we preach? The word God, come, crucified, resurrected, and returning. Hallelujah. 
That's it. So simple a child could understand it, but so profound the wisdom of man cannot even fathom it. Go figure. God can do something like that. There's hope for a five-year-old kindergartner who gets used. Because it doesn't come through wisdom. It comes through God. And how does it come through God? Well, if human wisdom doesn't work, if human, our plan, we don't have nothing to add to creation, how does a person come to believe in God as a creator? You've got to be asking yourself that right now. Take a look at this verse. God makes it clear when he tells us in Hebrews 11.3, by looking at a bunch of rocks, we understand that the universe... No. Oh. By figuring out we came from animals... No. Oh. If we add up the numbers and... No. By faith. By faith. By faith, we, us, understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. By faith. By faith, we understand that. There are some out there that will try to apologize to the end of time that, oh, we can explain this. Here, look, we can logically show you that God made this universe. Logic never saved anybody. Faith. God says even to believe in Him as Creator takes faith. And moreover, the same faith is needed to see Him as Savior. Not just creator. Hebrews says, by faith we understand. The universe was created by God. And apart from that faith, to believe that truth, excuse me, we'll never believe that God made the universe with nothing but his word. God indeed is the architect, designer, and chief engineer of the creation operation. He is the master and commander, not Russell Crowe. He is king of the universe, not Leonardo DiCaprio. Side note here, Dan mentioned a movie last week. Remember that movie? It's the one about that big ship that falls apart and sinks in the bottom of the ocean, and then everybody at the end is dancing on a renewed Titanic. I tell you what, if I wake up in heaven and I find myself on a boat named the Titanic, I'm going to question whether I'm in heaven. The boat sunk, people. The boat sunk. Now, I do agree with Dan that God's going to renew all things. I just don't think the Titanic is one of them. Or the sappy love story that comes from that. No, by faith we understand what he's doing. He's going to renew this world the way he made this world, which was speaking into that darkness by his word, through his spirit, that we receive that light. Now, God is the creator of the universe. And we need to, without apology, hold forth the truth that God is the one who made this place. God makes this place known by grace through faith, not by wisdom, not by learning, not by figuring it out. And thank God that he does that. It's his plan. Thank God it's his plan because, well, you've heard the saying, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. Robert Burns, the Scottish poet, poet first wrote that, and then it was later borrowed by a guy named John Steinbeck, who wrote East of Eden, and another guy named Sidney Sheldon. I would make one change to that saying. I would replace often with always. The best laid plans of mice and men always go awry. Of course, that's another way of saying what? That's Murphy's Law, isn't it? 
How many of you are familiar with Murphy's Law? I'm sure that some of you who are a little bit longer in the tooth, a little older, might recognize if anything can go wrong, it will. Oh, some of you are Irish. <laughs> or how about the really pessimistic Murphy's Law? If anything can go wrong, it will. And, does anybody know the ending? At the worst possible time. That's the, the ending of that pessimistic saying. And truth be told, that's, that is the truth. That's what happens to our decision-making apart from God coming in and manipulating our minds and helping us to see the truth. Because apart from that, we're in this dark, formless pit that we'll talk about in a second. Anyway, you don't have to be Irish to experience Murphy's Law. Thank God we read in Proverbs 19.21 that although many are the plans in the mind of a man, it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Thank God. In no way, shape, or form am I saying don't plan. Many are our plans. We need to plan. We need to prayerfully plan and ask God what He would have us do for service, for discipleship, all that stuff. But in the end, it's the purpose of the Lord that prevails. So God's purposes prevail despite our many plans and wisdom. And grace through faith places us firmly in the truth that ultimately it's God's plan and it will come to pass. So in the first verse of Genesis, we read that God created the heavens and the earth. It's his plan and no one else is chiming in. Look at that verse, excuse me, look at the second verse of Genesis. The second verse of Genesis, the first part, it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Just that first part there. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. That means there was no top. There was no bottom. There was no um, in. There was no out. There was no through. There was no over. There was nothing. It was dark. It was empty. The word for without form means a state of unreality or confusion. The word void means empty. So you've got this this unreality of emptiness before God speaks into existence the heavens and the earth and his light to go with it. So what do we got before God does something? A big, dark, empty, nothing. We call that jack squat where I'm from. That's what you got. The earth was jack squat without God. I don't even know if that's appropriate. Forgive me if it's not. I... In Minnesota, that's totally, totally appropriate saying, but forgive me if it's not here. Oh boy, God, thank you. <laughs> so you see here, now I really flustered myself on that one. <laughs> so for, before God speaks into his existence, the heavens and the earth, there's nothing. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but this is where, for some reason, my mind shifted in the way I was thinking about this passage. I was, I was okay, God is... He's forming the heavens and the earth. I believe that's by faith. Yep, speaking in my heart. But then as I began to read and think about the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. The earth was without form and void and darkness. Was, John was without form and void and darkness was over his deep. John, John's heart was without form and void and darkness was over the face of it. I don't know why I think like that. I just do. And when I saw that in creation, at the onset, that there was this, this void that God had to speak in, I immediately thought, that's me. 
He's talking to me. He says, John, I need to fill you like that. Not just on the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, and the sixth day, and then rest on the seventh. I need to fill you like that eternally. And I must admit, even as we we sang and stuff, my heart was just rejoicing in the fact that God gives me the grace to believe that He actually is. I actually believe that He's here with us and that He wants to speak to us and that He wants His light to dwell in us. But it's not that I want, it's what God wanted. He spoke into the dark void of my heart and, and without a doubt, how did He do that? By grace. By grace. But I don't want to get ahead of the point here. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Notice the end of this verse. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So, you see this dark, formless void. I I see it as my heart. It's creation, obviously. It's what he says. And, And God is, where is he? He's right there. In the midst of the abyss of darkness, of of nothing, God is right there. It says hovering, literally vibrating. Hovering right over us in the darkness. I'm glad he's there because I don't like the dark. I never have. For years and years and years, Jan has told me to shut off the light, but I won't do it. (laughs) I do not sleep in the dark. Or in the light. No, God speaks, or God is hovering over that darkness. And if God's spirit was present before the dawn of creation, and creation moved forward because God was present and spoke into it, then I, I believe then He'll do the same for us. He will speak into the darkness that is us. That is me. That is John Barry. And he'll definitely reveal that he's closer than you ever imagined. God is near to his creation. And I've shared this verse in nearly every sermon I've given since 1994. Someone say, get a new verse. Ah, Look at it. Acts 17.26, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined the allotted periods, that's how long you live, the time you live, and the boundaries of their dwelling places, that's where you live. So he determines the when and the where. That's pretty in charge. That they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet, he is actually not far from each one of us. Hovering. Right now. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that when I was making this message because I'm like, God, please, what do I say? What do you, what is a, what does an ordinary you student in kindergarten tell people about the, the majestic God that isn't far from him, that far from us? You tell them the truth that God is right there. He's with us. The Spirit will always be present where the Word of God goes forth. You can't have one without the other. Without the Spirit, it's impossible to believe upon God's Word. Jesus says in the born-again passage, John chapter 3, a man must be born of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. And unless the Spirit makes us alive, we're dead. 
There's no keeping in step with the advancing kingdom because dead people don't move forward. God's Spirit must be present to give life to our souls. And after all, dead people don't move around so well, especially in the dark. Dead, dark. The Spirit was present when the Word formed, filled, and lighted this creation. And the same Spirit is present when the Word forms, fills, and lights us as a new creation. Jesus is that Word. God is present in this allotted time. He said to the dark and formless world, I'm here and my light has come. His spirits hover over our heart and all who would hear these truths today, including mine, you would pray that the Spirit would prepare that to strike you right in the heart. Right square in the heart. Where that light pierces into the darkness that is us and you are totally, totally filled with God and the light and the life that is Christ wakens you to the truth of the Word that says, verse 1, or verse, chapter 1, verse 3 of Genesis, let there be light. Wow. Oh. Don't you want that creation in your life? Don't you want God to speak to your heart and say, let there be light? Yeah, I do too. I see some of you kind of shaking your head. Yeah. I tremble thinking that it won't happen. That somehow I'm, I'm missing the point. I'm not seeing it right. But everything inside me tells me there's nothing I can do. I'm totally dependent upon God saying something and doing something. But God doesn't just say things like we do. We always say things. Oh, I'm going to do this. And then we don't. I mean, God could be like this. And God could say, let there be light. And then nothing happens. Nothing. But God doesn't work like that. Hallelujah. No, He follows through with His Word. Those are His words. And He said to the dark and formless world, let there be light. And there was light. God was present in the creation story, not only in the Spirit, but also in Word. And God didn't just hover around in the darkness. He spoke. And when He spoke, His words weren't just noise in a dark abyss. His words were light and life. His words formed not only the foundations of this earth, but the foundation of the truth that sets us free. Amen? Oh. Sometimes I feel like we're just going to be taken away. <laughs> Go! Oh, where the Spirit and the Word meet, there is light and life. And creation bears testimony to this. But God does not stop there. No, no, no. This is better than an infomercial. There's more! <laughs> there is more. With His Spirit present, His Word pronounced, we see His light come into the darkness. The light of God, the light of God's Word comes into the world. Where have we heard that before? That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. How many of you watch the Peanuts Christmas? Best reading of Luke ever. Ever. If you have not seen that, YouTube that bad boy and praise God. Linus is a masterful preacher. But God can speak through a donkey. So, 
That's what Christmas is all about. The Word becoming flesh. God didn't just say, let there be light. It came to pass. And we see at the end of the verse, end of verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1, that God's spoken Word results in actual light. And when God's Word is delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit, we see the creation of light in the darkness that leads to life. And Jesus, Jesus tells us about that light. John chapter 12, verse 46. We read about his light come into this world. I have come into the world, Jesus said, as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. It's pretty simple. That's why he came. God's Spirit was present as God spoke his word into the darkness. When God speaks his word by the power of the Spirit into our darkness, his purpose prevails. Thank God. Our darkness is overcome by the light of Christ. In the first three, four verses of the Bible, we see what God will do throughout all the generations until He comes back. The same exact thing. His Spirit comes over. His Word speaks into. His light fills. And we have life and light and everything. And that, brothers and sisters, is how we're going to move forward. God is the only one who can make something out of nothing. God is the only one who can take our chaos and our darkness and order it and fill it with light. And God is the only one that will take us from creation through the cross to the culmination of all of eternity where we get to spend forever and ever in the perfect, kinder garden where nobody punches anybody. Thank God. Would you pray with me? God, Thank you. Thank you that you finished that entire passage off with and God saw that the light was good. You are good, Father. You are the message that we preach. Your Son come, crucified on a cross, resurrected and returning. Make that reality. Make that reality ever stronger in our lives. By your grace, speak to our faith that we would not only acknowledge you as creator and savior and soon and coming king, but ever present. God, you will not be stopped and your kingdom will advance. Please, Lord, in your grace, speak to our hearts, the darkness, and let your spirit send your word and light, light the hearts that are empty and dark. God, my heart is so empty without you to think that there's places in me that, that you aren't there. But God, you've promised you are going to reclaim every bit of your creation, chief among them, your people. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters, those that know you, that you would continue to build them up by your spirit, in your word, in the light of Jesus Christ and Father. In that same spirit, in that same creation power of your Holy Spirit, if there be anybody that does not know you, may, may you in your great power, by your grace, come upon them that they might know and see and taste that our Lord is God and that he saves and he is good. God, we are yours. You spoke into the darkness. We didn't cry out to you. You reached in. Thank you that you will finish that work. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
spread out the skies over empty space. Said, Let there be light to a dark and formless world. Your light was born. You spread out your arms over empty hearts. Said, Let there be light to a dark.